ladies, boys, girls, and uh, wherever you're, uh, whatever you're feeling like tonight. You know, it's uh, No Judgment Thursday, and it's also Thirsty Thursday. And tonight, uh, I'll be joined by Mr. Ray Ito and also our good, really good friend, Mr. Robert Palmer here tonight. Gentlemen, how in the hell are you? I'm Can't good complain, at the moment. Man. <laughs> Can't, well, look at that. Look at that. They're both so good. They're so in sync. Uh, that's how often Robert Palmer comes around here is I think our cycles are syncing up finally, Robert. It's taken a little bit, but we're <laughs> almost there. Now, uh, speaking of cycles, uh, things, you know, things are going well for you. We'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. But uh, tell us just a little bit about lawn-wise, garden-wise. Uh, you know, if you want to quickly inform people who you are, if they don't know who you are, and then maybe give us, you know, the people that do know you just a little bit of an update about what's been going on. And then, uh, we'll get into it here a little bit. We'll kick it all about, uh, you know, home life and grass life and all that stuff. Yeah. So for the people that don't know me, I'm Robert Palmer. I run, uh, the YouTube channel turf therapy. Uh, I took to YouTube about, man, it's been, I think, almost four years now uh, because I I learned that being in the lawn and garden, it helped me process, unpack some PTSD I was dealing with uh, on a high scale four years ago. It was good for me. So I took to YouTube initially to kind of like spread that word, which I still do. But now I've caught like this bug and passion for just uh, sharing what I learned. It's just my nature. That's how I do things. Um, I'm currently in Germany. Uh, started a brand new family out here. Got my wife, uh, which I already had that, so I didn't pick that up in Germany. <laughs> We've had two kids. <laughs> most recent, uh, a baby girl. We just had a baby girl a couple of days ago, and then we got our little boy. So that's cool. Uh, but generally, I just you know I don't like complacency, so I consistently push myself to learn and do better at whatever it is I'm genuinely interested in. Um, I don't like to have to do anything, so I'll put my best foot forward in whatever I do. And I'm in the military. I'm an EOD tech. I've been in the military for 17 years, coming up in about a month. Oof. And I actually just got promoted to master sergeant. So that's pretty cool, too. I'm almost done. I'm three years away, and we're going to put a bow on it. And for those who know me, I think I just gave you the update of what I've been up to <laughs> so, uh, since the last time you seen me. I've been up to it. Life is good. Life is good. Life is see. good, It man. sounds like. <laughs> Very efficient with his words, ladies and gentlemen. Mm -hmm. uh, you'll do that when you have to defuse bombs for a living. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you get a little bit more. You get a little bit more uh, sense of urgency about a lot of things. Mm -hmm. You mentioned uh, complacency, and uh, it reminded me of a quote from one of my favorite football coaches, Mr. Jim Trestle from Ohio State, where uh, one of mm -hmm. his quotes was, "Complacency always comes to collect." Right. Uh. That if you do that at some point, even if you think it'll never get you, it'll get you. And uh, however many people find out about it or know about it, uh, you know, it just depends on the situation, all that kind of stuff. But I would say, you know, tell me a little bit about that from uh, whether it's from the military or your, you know, your your uh, upbringing, how that maybe informs, you know, your sense of, you know, growing living plants or grass or things like that. Mm. 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 I could tell you. um most recently, 
I probably hit a level of complacency with my overall fitness, right? Mm. Um, and like my overall like health and fitness of myself. And um, mm. I checked myself pretty hard. Uh, we had to do the new ACFT and I went out there and I crushed it, of course. But when I got back, like for the next four days, I was like, I didn't feel good. I was like, oh, I'm hurting. And the old man's strength, the level of <laughs> physical training that I had been up to for the past 15 years, bearing before COVID, pre-COVID, it, it, it held me through knocking out the ACFT. And I did just fine, like I said. But I noticed that how I felt afterwards, I didn't like that. So I'd grown complacency in my own physical and and in health. And then I kind of just took a look in the mirror. I stepped on the scale and I was like, hey, we got we can shed some pounds over here. I don't like what I'm seeing. And then being on YouTube is a pretty unique opportunity to take a step back and look at yourself on camera. And then I can like look at different videos. I'm like, okay, something's happening here. I'm not taking care of myself properly. Mm. So with that being said, I set a goal, right? Um, about four months ago to, to change that. And, um, came up short on my goal. I aimed to lose 20 pounds and uh, get back in shape before the baby got here, came close, dropped 17 pounds. And, um, and I can see it and I can feel it a lot. I just feel so much better. I say all that to say, you know, in the lawn and uh, garden, I knew, which is different, right? Because I haven't experienced any level of complacency out there other than not knowing what I didn't know. So I don't even blame that on myself. But I don't really take that approach with that stuff. I'm most likely always, I'm, I'm on my heels with that. And then I took that and I used that to reapply it to my day-to-day life to get it back on track, to be honest. I kind of like, hey, you can, your own point over here, you're sharpening this iron over here with these things throughout the winter, all throughout the year. You're reading articles, you're watching videos from reputable sources. Um, you know, you should be doing yourself with the same with your, uh, with your physical fitness. And that's what I did, so. See, I'm just saying that I I do think that, you know, that level of focus and what you're able to do with the things that you're passionate about, right? It doesn't mean that you can apply it 100% and always be uh, on point, as you said, and some of those other things, but uh, it does inform how you can, how you can do that, right? So I always think it's interesting to take uh, stuff from your, you know, your passions, right? And see if you can apply parts of that to other parts that need to get fixed or get better or whatever. So that's, I don't know. That's it. So, all right. So, all right. A couple of things. One, how is the lawn right now? How is the lawn? The lawn, she's, she's, she's looking good. Um, Up until about two weeks ago, man, um, it was pretty moist and not in a good way. You know what I'm saying? That thing, it was just all slanky and worm castings everywhere, everywhere I stepped. You know it's bad when I'm looking. I'm like, is that dog poo or is that worm poo? Ooh, because if it's nice. worm poo, I'm just, that's how bad it got through from last year fall to now. But something happened over the past week or two. We haven't had rain. It's been warming up gradually. We're at soil temps. Uh, by my hot spots, like against like curbs and stuff where I'm at like an average 48 degrees, 47 degrees, 
in the center of my lawn that stays in sun all day is like at a 42, 43 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, but now we've get like, I remember this last year too, cause I tried to set up a greenhouse outside and the wind was like, nah, that ain't happening. But we have so much whipping wind coming through. And I think really? that's what's drying everything up because I went out there and I placed, and I was walking, I was like, oh, the ground feels firm. And then I was like, oh, these worm castings, they're all dried up. And I'm like, okay, cool. It's almost time to where I can probably start to get after this and um, get my sand ordered and uh, address it. So overall, the grass looks real good now because it doesn't have that like drunken look to it anymore. And since Mm -hmm. we have had a pretty mild winter like Wiesbaden usually does, I mean, we've only had about four to six inches of snow. Haven't been, the ground didn't freeze. I'm more than confident in saying the ground didn't freeze at all. Maybe we experienced sub 30 degrees for a cumulative 14 to 20 days throughout the entire winter. I mean, we still got some time to go, but, and even when it was dropping, it wasn't like it was dropping and staying there. Like it was mm-hmm. maybe three days and then it would bounce right back up to the lows being, you know, somewhere around 30. So the grass overall, it looks, it never, I mean, of course it went dormant because it stopped growing for a while. But it's like really great right now. Is I don't have to if if I were to just go in and start mowing it, there's no need to cut the grass. I mean, there's no need to feed it. It's not hungry uh, as of now. So I like where it's at. Uh, I just don't like the height and how bumpy it feels. Because I'm gonna tell you, this is heartbreaking, Ryan. I got that thing butter smooth when I got back from Iceland, and I was just like, yes, this is where I want to be. And then, and and then I I believe you said it, either you or Matt said it, and it was like ch- chasing perfection. You used a quote from someone like, "You can reach oh, perfection, but you're not going to stay there long, right?" And I was like, "Oh my!" And you had just said that quote on something, and I like I reached perfection, and that it lasted like it was fleeting. It lasted like two weeks, and then boom, it was gone. I was like, "Oh my gosh!" And then I just died Robert- a little inside. That is the reality of uh, lawn care and Mm. landscapes. And that's just part of my education of the people that I work for, too, where I got to tell them, if it looks perfect, enjoy this because (laughs) things change and it is beyond your control. That's just life. That's how it is. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I didn't. I didn't have a hand in it, you know. Mm-hmm. Once the rainy season came back and those worm mm-hmm. castings started popping up, it was right. It was just nothing I could do. There yeah, was nothing yeah, I could is, do. It's it's beyond your your control. It is what it is because uh, right now I'm going through week three of constant wind and rain. Mm. Gross. You very much untropical, way. very much untropical weather. Yeah. And, you know, I, I run into a problem where I know the other week I had a conversation with somebody or I, I told somebody, you know, I fired a customer for hassling me when it's raining. I'll do it again. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I'm not fun. coming to your house. It's raining, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's always the. Uh... Oh, here you go. 
All right, I'll uh, read this for the audio, the audio only, folks. This is uh, a quote by Dr. James Baird. Dr. James Baird is probably the uh, godfather of uh, turf grass research. Um, a gentleman mm-hmm. that uh, kind of pioneered, yeah, the OG kind of mm-hmm. pioneered a lot of the original textbooks and things that were written as far as modern times, right? And modern turf grass management. So his quote is. Uh, professional turf grass culture is one of the few areas of applied plant science where the ultimate goal is perfection, which is seldom achieved. When reached is fleeting, therein lies the ultimate challenge. Further, upon pro- approaching perfection in turf grass, the more evident the imperfections become, the more difficult and costly they are to correct. Therein <laughs> lies the intrigue. So, you know, it's it's true, and I think the point that Baird was trying to make here is that, you know, we we work so hard for this glimmer of of something, and he's I think he was trying to say is like stop and take a step back, and you know you have to appreciate good and great when you see it, and not just necessarily perfection, right? So, um, yeah, man, it's tough. It, it's tough to to train your mind to do that too. To to know when you see it looking perfect and admire that just for a, a few moments or whatever, right? Um, and and don't beat yourself up over that it's not there, right? So, uh, or you know, fire yourself or fire your customer like Ray does. You know, I think uh, I think that's why Ray Ray's got a steady diet of trank darts. You know, in his in his work truck. You know, he just put him to sleep for a little bit. You know, so uh, <laughs> I could only wish. <laughs> oh my God! So the whole okay, man. Look at that. That was okay, perfection. So the last, the last time that yeah, that does, dude. It's banging. And you send me pictures yeah, other times where you're probably hard on yourself, and it's wow. Look at that. Damn. Yeah, I see the imperfections. Like you, like I'm looking at it, and I was like, yeah, I can I gotta work on that this year. This was after I overseeded the other side of the plot. So, like, if you would have seen it earlier in that year, but I took, I took the whole thing. I Prince Machiavelli did. So, just <laughs> you're not using this. I'm gonna take it from you. Uh, and that was that's where the front yard ended up, as well. Um, this was this was at the peak of it all. I'm pretty sure all the way around. I was at at least in the back. I think I was at three tenths of an inch. Uh, using the lawn. Damn. I mean, this was this was great. This was all after sand capping. Is this um, the Hudson Star mowing? This is the Hudson. Mm. Yeah, this is the sand cap before I came. That's before I went to Iceland. As you can see, if you look at that little uh, that midway pass mm-hmm. between the yards, we're cooked right now. Everyone was cooked. I was the only one that was really green. Um. Mm-hmm. In the entire neighborhood, uh, like everyone was pretty much burnt out from the summer. It was it was a pretty rough drought. Uh, but we hang we we hung in there like through the help of you guys making sure I babied it for the first four to six weeks during the renovation where I started. I mean, I, I went bare dirt for <laughs> <Before> looking <laughs> at me like I was crazy, but it was all worth it. And then, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's what it looked like. <laughs> I was getting some nasty looks <laughs> in the neighborhood. <laughs> and then we brought it back from the bare dirt all the way to uh to what it is today. So I'm pretty proud of it. I man, I would be too. And I want to unpack 
that part of it. I want to ask first. Well, let's just start at the beginning. We'll start at the beginning and work our way forward. So last time you were on the show, we talked a lot about like means and methods for the renovation. We talked about like if we were going to tear it up, if you were going to power rake it, like all the different parts and pieces of how that was going to go. So for the folks that didn't watch the videos and everything like that, just, you know, it, it wasn't really quick, but what did you, what did you end up doing? And if you could do anything different, what would that be? If anything? Yeah, I was about to say, man, I, I went over that plan. So many, there's one thing I would do different. <laughs> I'm going to save it for the oh, end now. See, <laughs> it's I not going to be it, what you it. think I, it is. I knew I would get it's him on something. Be, I knew he'd be like, it's not going to be what you think it is. <laughs> all right all right i'm gonna think of so, something in my head right now and see if it's what i think it is. all right go ahead <laughs> so the thing is um i think the most important part of that whole process was getting the timing right right and not being here a year prior to know what to expect was really like it was just mental it was a mental exercise trying to just get it right. I can see what the trend's supposed to look like, but the weather's been changing everywhere pretty fast and just shifting all over the place. So I wasn't very confident in what the chart was saying I was supposed to start doing. Um, but we we cleaned everything up. We got everything out of there that we didn't want. And we went back and forth between using like a Harley rake and then there was this other machine that we were going to use to level everything out and smooth it out. And in the end, all I did was get rid of the grass that I didn't want. I mean, all of it. We started from bare dirt. I used my little toy power rake, uh, Greenworks thing to just rip everything out, get as much organic matter out as possible. Then I brought in about 10 tons of topsoil. They they call it motherboarding over here, which is like a mix of clay, silt, and sand. A beautiful Mm. blend of that. And then I brought it in and I just kept putting layers down Jeez. and just rolling mm. it layers and rolling it just sifting it. I had to sift 10 tons of this stuff because when it came, it wasn't screened like it was supposed to be. So I sifted all of that out, spread it and just rolled it, rolled it, rolled it. And I put in all these, these garden beds as well. Right. Um, Cause you know, I like the garden too. Um, and that's when the carrots, I think those were onions and carrots over there on the left. And then on the right, I had like my first round cool season stuff over there. But, um, and then we just went seed to, I just put the seed to bare dirt. I didn't mess with the whole Harley rake or anything like that. I, I realized my window was getting short for time and I didn't want to, knowing that I was going to sand cap, I didn't really want to put more time limit or jack up the the grade more and leave it all bumpy. And I felt like I got it really smooth just by bringing in the top 10, 10 tons of the motherboard and then putting it on top of that and just rolling it and rolling it over and over again. And then we just put the seed over that. And then I, I covered it in peat moss to make myself feel better. And then we're talking like 20 days after growing. And this is what I was doing, you know, on the side plot, I was already, you know, got some little bit of weed breakage in, but I was already laying that Hudson was cutting monster stripes. And you can already see, you know, the quality and the difference of the grass from the left to the right. <laughs> it's a big difference. Um, and even still today, it's a, it's a big difference. And the one thing that I would definitely do different, Ryan, would be if you go back to the back, J-Pink, um, picture of a back, 
so you see these garden beds right here that I yeah. cut out? Yeah, I wouldn't even have them. I would just make it all grass. Just, you know, <laughs> the reason <laughs> yeah, why is because my that. dogs, my, <laughs> my dogs, like, you see the irrigation on back there. I put irrigation heads in too. Like I laid down the irrigation, my own irrigation. I installed it. Um, Are you watering the neighbor's yard there? Just, What's going on? Nah, I think I was probably finding my range on that um, on uh, the actual on sprinkler. Head. Yeah. yeah, yeah, on the head. Uh, I was probably turning it on and turning it off and just went ahead and took a picture because I was excited that it was actually working. <laughs> it was like That was like the moment of truth. Like, man, I hope this works like it's supposed to. So yeah, I wouldn't even, um, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have cut those out. I would have just made it all grass. And the reason why is because my dogs, I realized back in Maryland, I never had to deal with um, having a landscape area with my dogs in the backyard. They like to play around in the mulch and then they're peeing on the plants. And I don't know, it's just a little pain in the butt. Uh, so if I would have known what I know now, I would probably would have just made it all grass. But it's all good. It still looks good. I keep it tidy. Well, keep it, it clean. Keep it clean. <laughs> I get, uh, yeah, I understand why you would say that. I, and I'm just curious. I was just curious on that process. So you're saying if you were stateside and had access to similar materials, similar equipment, everything like that, like you would just go about it pretty much the same. Is that fair to say? Yeah. If I was in the same growing conditions. Yeah. Well, yeah, obviously that, yeah. like, I mean, that that's yeah. the thing is, you know, you, uh, that's, that's my growing conditions were limitations for me. Um, How so? Well, I wasn't able to get. Well, I don't even know if I need to do that though. I mean, I would just got a better quality topsoil. Maybe uh, uh, you know, I trust the guy. Better? I went and I looked at. Well, he showed me some real nice screen stuff, and then what they delivered, Ryan. <sighs> <laughs> he got me, and I was looking at it like, how do you say bait and switch already, in Deutsch? Oh, he bait and switched me, man. I don't know. But I was like, and then here's the thing. It's not like America where you just call the guy up and it was like, man, you just dropped 10 soils of BS on me, 10 tons of BS. You need to come and get this. Like, it's not going to go well. He'll just act like he can't understand me. I was really (laughs) upset. I was really upset. But I was like, okay, all right, cool. Whatever. We're just going to make the best of this. Um, Because I had some German friends that they were willing to call him and talk to him. But I was like, it's already in my yard, man. Like it's here. It's in my driveway. I've made a sifter. We're just going to knock this out. And they're like, I can't believe you're going to sift 10 tons of salt. Yeah, me neither, but I'm going to do it. And to be honest, it time-wise, it all worked out anyway, because I wasn't like, if it wasn't screened, the weather still wasn't right. So, and the rain held off long enough for me to cut into the ground to get the irrigation in. Like the timing of everything was pivotal, and it all went perfect for the most part. Like I had hiccups, especially with the irrigation. It became frustrating. I almost quit. Uh, if it wasn't for Cam, I probably would not have irrigation because I threw my hands in the air a few times. I was like, you know what? I'm done with this. I'm not. I'm not installing <laughs> this. But Cam was like, look. I told you we was gonna be here. Just take a breath. You got this. You can you you can do it. Once it's done, I promise you, you're gonna be happy <laughs> that you did it and you went through these pains. So, and he's right, man. Once that irrigation was installed, it was a good feeling. Um, just knowing that I could do it too. So, 
<laughs> That's how I felt. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, to answer your yep. question, Ryan, yeah, I would use the I would I would do it the same way, even if I was in the States. I don't you didn't well, no, need the air rate. I didn't need the Harley rake this specific plot. I, maybe I guess I would have got an actual power rake. That would have sped things up. But the steps that I took, you know, yeah. No, I think I, I got mean, away I with it with the little green works. <laughs> There's a lag there, my Perry. Um, <laughs> no, it, I, here's my thing is, uh, I think process is important and I know you would agree. I know Ray would agree. You know, you can't be so rigid that you're not willing to change that, you know, to your point about like the whole perfection piece and what separates, you know, a amateur from a professional. And this isn't to dig on amateurs. Sorry, Joe. Uh, it's not that <laughs> it's about, it's about the whole point of, when something different than what you expect happens with the grass or with your project or whatever, that you have a plan to pivot to and it's the best that you can do. Right. And sometimes the, the answers are, well, you know, I can have the shit sandwich or I can have the diarrhea sandwich. What sounds good. Other times there's actual like legitimate options, right. That you have that you need to, you know, to work around. And that's project based. And then certainly it's a lot more fluid of a situation when it's grass, right? So I think that's what even amateurs can make those distinctions, right? It's just, you know, I, I'm not sure where the distinction lies other than getting paid for it or that kind of thing, you know. But I guess the point is, is that no matter what you do and where you land on that spectrum, right, that doesn't really matter. The whole point is that as you gain experience, right, and gain knowledge, you should gain confidence in knowing that, okay, hey, if I face this situation, which you did. I mean, that, that, the, the, the whole point, I guess, is what I'm trying to say is that unknown climate, relatively, I mean, you did your research and you knew, and you did the due diligence up front to find the right materials to develop your process and not just go wing it and then get pissed when you don't get a good result, right? You know, you planned exactly. the shit out of this and then you executed yeah. it. And there's a few things that maybe like you had to, you know, make some you know, decisions and choices on along the way. But, I mean, the results speak for themselves. That's why, you know, I'm, I'm just saying I'm very proud of what you accomplished, you know, and watching this come to, you know, fruition. Not that I have anything to do with it, but the whole point being is that oh, you did. if, if now, if planned correctly, if planned correctly, right, that anybody really can do this. It's just how much degree of planning you want to get into to have that level of success. Ray knows what I'm talking about. I mean, Ray, how many times have you gone to a property? where you know you need to do a renovation as as uh, involved as what Robert did here, right? Yes. And be like, eh, we'll fucking figure it out, whatever. You know, I'm going to bring some dirt no. in here. Maybe, uh, no. I don't know, we'll bring Marty with a no. bulldozer and we'll just we'll push a bunch of shit around and we'll figure it out. No, you know, I don't start any kind of job of any kind without having a plan. That's just it, is that I have an idea of what's going to happen, how it's going to happen, and approximately when it's going to happen. And the only variable then becomes is if outside factors uh, keep me from staying on that timeline. Other than that, uh, 
I never walk onto a job without a plan. That's just it. Because what is that saying, Ryan and Robert? Uh, proper preparation prevents piss poor performance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Piss poor performance. I mean, that's uh, those are words that I live by, too. And, you know, Robert, I, I, I've seen pictures of your lawn as it went through the renovation. And it is obvious that planning went into the job because you know how I know that planning went into the job at no time were there any true crises or emergencies at no time now because typically I was super I was super touchy though like I was touching I was jittery I was like you didn't want to walk up too fast, too quiet behind me because you were liable to get shot because I was on edge. It was, <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. it was a very, yeah, yeah, I was on, I was, was on a, edge for a good three to yeah, four it, weeks. It was, it was scary. Yeah, it was a very, <laughs> it was a very touchy situation. But at the same time, there's a difference between being on edge, being unable to sleep versus, oh my goodness, uh, bad. What do we do? You know, because typically what I used to deal with in the past, but then I told myself no more, is dealing with people when they didn't have a proper plan in place. Okay? I used to I used to deal with that kind of stuff and and now I say no more. Uh your baby you handle it. I mean, because you started this job. You should have known. Have a nice life. Aloha. <laughs> Ray, so, so harsh. Well, and, uh, you know. He said aloha, though. <laughs> uh, <laughs> mahalo, bitches. Oh, yeah, real quick. <laughs> <laughs> you guys. As he flicks so the with cigarette, planning, the whole place right? goes up in smoke. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that planning Sorry, go ahead. The, the 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 role you guys you said you don't you didn't do anything right and i just i wholeheartedly disagree because what you allowed me to do is how many years of experience i mean we even had matt up here right so we had matt we had ray ito we got ryan mm -hmm. may they're gonna matt yeah. martin i said his name without saying his last name that was a new one and i was able to take the combined experience of you probably 50 years, 60, 60 years of experience and just tap well, into your brain. Yeah. Oh, we figured it out. How many it. years of experience? Uh, let me think. Ray, what, what's Ray? It's a again? lot. Let's do this. Let's do the math. 30. I'm able to, I'm able to streamline 30. your 50 years of mess, mess ups. Whatever you yeah, jacked yeah. up, whatever yeah, you've what, already what seen. If, right. So yeah, I could just pick your we, brain real quick. Yeah. <laughs> After I did all the exactly. legwork, of course, right? Because there was a responsibility on me to do the legwork to come to you with, yeah. hey, this is what I'm thinking about doing. And you're like, nope, that's that's bad. This is good. Do this instead. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. and it gave me a sense of confidence that I needed to execute the plan. Mm -hmm. So you did that, which gave me a sense of, okay, all right, I'm moving in the right direction. I'm confident about this. And now I'm going to move forward knowing that these guys have seen almost every situation out there so that's what you did you gave me that extra oomph that i needed to actually go out there and pull the trigger 
So I think, just don't sell uh, yourself short. Is what I'm. Fair, fair enough, and I think this is an important piece too, as you know, uh, people that end up in a space where they ha- where they get to give advice, right? Is when you get those questions, I think it's important to empathize with that person and try to figure out what situation they're in, what kind of mindset they're in and think about it through their shoes, but give your opinion, if that makes sense. Right. So like if they're going to be worried and nervous about it, answer in a way that is going to calm their fears. If they're super confident and maybe overconfident, you know, and you could tell that by the way they're asking their questions, sometimes you got to be like, Mm -hmm. I'm just going to say that you probably should pump the brakes on that for a second. And, (laughs) <laughs> you know, you got to be able to have that real talk. But I'm telling you, like, I, I, I do that all the time at work now where, you know, uh, somebody meets you got to meet people where they are and give them an answer. And from their point of view. Right. And not just come in yeah. and say, well, this is what I would do. It's it's yeah, yeah. you know, it doesn't work that way, you know, and help people think through yeah. it. So I appreciate the, the kind words like, I don't know, uh, we enjoy just kicking it and talking turf and. It is what it is, right? So, like, you yeah. get these questions. It's not like a bother or anything. It's just, you know, no, go hardly, it and... hardly. Yeah, uh, I've never grown. Gra- I feel like I've grown grass now in Wiesbaden, in Germany, to a certain extent. Yeah, you know, vicariously. Yeah, you but... definitely. Yeah. yeah, you see, what you, I what I tell everybody that. is that is that even though I'm stuck on a tropical prison island, I get to vicariously grow grass all throughout the United States and in Germany and even back in Japan. I mean, that's how, you know, that's how nice it is. And uh, I take that and I feel like I have a certain responsibility not to give people the wrong advice, too. Well, I, I think so. That that's again something where uh, got to be diplomatic in how I say this. But you know, you got to be um, again at a certain level of uh, of confidence to give advice and provide you know an outlook on things, right? I, I think, and that doesn't mean that people are disqualified from saying their piece or anything like that. It just means that. Um, you know, people are making decisions that are ultimately going to affect, you know, how much money they spend or, you know, how successful their project is. And I think that's the thing that um, I think all three of us could say here. And I know Matt would say the same thing, too, is that, you know, a project is is an investment. And maybe you don't see all those costs adding up at the same time. But at some point, it becomes a, a much bigger investment than just, you know, a bag of fertilizer or a bottle of herbicide or something like that, right? You have, mm-hmm. not only do you have money, right, wrapped up in product and everything like that, but you have your most precious and valuable resource, your motherfucking time. So you want to make the best use of that. You want to make sure that it is well used, that it's put to good effort, and that, you know, you don't shit down your leg at crunch time and your grass is dead. Because, let's be honest, uh, most situations that uh, many of us face, mama wouldn't be happy. And if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. So <laughs> you got to take that for what it's worth and and move on. So, all right. So the lawn's in. I, I, I do want to hear a little bit because I do 100% live vicariously through you on the garden stuff because I would love to garden. I just do not have the patience. I have patience for grass, but I don't have patience for gardening, which is a really weird thing to say. 
because um, grass yeah. can make people uh, supremely impatient. But tell me about the <laughs> garden and how that's going, because I need some updates to live like. So I got my first round of uh, starts. They're about to go in the ground. Uh, I've hardened them off. You can get you a real long season with cool season plants out here. This is like cool season where a lot of people think like um. Georgia collards. I, I I know that I used to think Georgia collards was from Georgia. Turns out they're not. They're actually from Europe. You know, they grew yes. wild in the wild around like Italy, Rome area. So a lot of these things that we've like adapted in America, definitely during the cool season climate, does perfect here in Europe year round. Like my collard plants grew from, I think like March last year, all the way through the winter. That plant was still out there. It took frost after freeze and it was still out there. And I literally just took them out to make room for the new plants that I'm bringing in. But already I got my cauliflower, uh, broccoli, um, anything that's going to form a head on it. That's already outside. And I'll probably be uh, planting them into the actual raised garden beds. I'll be planting them out there in the next couple of days. I might wait until my brother gets here because my brother's actually flying in. He'll be here this weekend. So just, you know, do that with him. Take uh take the little man outside and hopefully it's a nice day and we can just kind of enjoy that together. Um but that that's what's cool about it. Um if you're into carrots, you know, anything of the brassica family, lettuce, uh you can get all that stuff off. For the majority of the year here in Germany, it doesn't get too hot to where you're going to have lettuce that bolts on you or your spinach is going to bolt on you. Everything is pretty happy year round, especially if you plant it right. And the thing that does suck, though, is that your season is so short, you must be like pitch perfect timing to get your tomato harvest Anything warm season, right? Tomatoes, those are warm season crops. And it's funny how there's so much overlap between lawn and garden, because just like you have cool season grasses and warm season grasses, you have cool season plants and warm season plants. And, uh, you know, I always say long, long care was my first love, but gardening came later and uh, it's even more beneficial because it feeds you. Right. Uh, I happen to start a year, the year of the pandemic, uh, start a garden the year of the pandemic. The, and I didn't even know the pandemic was happening at the time um, or was about to happen. I just already decided that I was going to start a garden. And then once we were on full swing and lockdown and we couldn't really go to the grocery store like that, I was like, oh, OK, well, I'm just going to go in my backyard and pull up some fresh vegetables, <laughs> like legit, I'd argue wow. 60% of my meal was coming out of my backyard in my front driveway. Like you guys know, there was barely room for my wife to park her car by the time I left. That's how many plants <laughs> I, I just had in the driveway. And uh, that's because of where I was at. I couldn't put anything in the ground. So I'm just here. You drive by this house and it's got like two daggone raised garden beds on the front porch. About twenty different There's containers of, in the driveway. Tubs of tomatoes and a, all that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got tomatoes on the ground. The mailman is driving by. So, like here in Germany, it's it's, it's the same. I can grow pretty much the the thing that does the worst here. And saying the worst is, I mean, it's a stretch just because you have to pay attention to your calendar. Like you have to do some planning and understand how much time do you need indoors to transfer it outdoors to get you a harvest, right? 60 days to harvest, 90 days to harvest. And those harvest dates on the back of the seeds don't correlate. They don't, most of them don't take into account 
of the time that the seed needs to germinate and be established. So when you see like those 60 and 90 days on the back of the packets, most of them are referencing from an established plant, just like uh-huh. with, uh, would say like with herbicides that we're using, right? You know, it's a, it's a, it's an accepted thing that you know that you're applying this usually to a established turf. So when you're looking at the back of those seeds, when it says 60 days to harvest, okay, that's from the plant being established. Go ahead, Ray, my bad. Yeah, and then the other factors that I'd imagine is different is that time from establishment to harvest also counts on it being warmer than it is in the middle of Germany. Because, uh, you see, it's quite a different climate, you coming mm-hmm. from, which state did you uh, move from? I came from Maryland. Robert? Oh, yeah, I okay. came from Maryland. You see, you see yeah. Maryland <laughs> is hot. A little different. Okay, Maryland hot, is hot. and humid and sticky. And I was at the top of the Maryland, like at the top of the bay, right yeah. on the so, coast. And it was sticky and icky. It's the armpit. <laughs> the armpit. Yeah. yeah so, the true. Like it so, really looks like I'm sitting in the armpit. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, the, so the thing is, is that what I know about certain vegetable crops like tomatoes and peppers and eggplants is that, for example, those vegetables, they suffer if it's not warm enough. They yeah. grow more slowly. Yeah, but they, they also they suffer a lot more slowly. because of too much moisture too right i, too I used wet. to have a lot of issues yeah it was too wet Disease. i would have I guarantee Diseases. one of my plants were going yeah blight was getting something powdery mildew was oh, sweeping in on my yeah. cucumbers yeah 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 and you know i tried to fight that but eventually i was just like you know what i'm gonna plant two extra of everything and when it's gone i'm just ripping it out i'm not even fighting this battle with it like i'll try my preventives and when it catches one i just rip it out i don't even try to fight just, nature on just, it, just cut know? it and, and and call it good yeah yeah yeah, yeah, because yeah. I wasn't using any type of hard, strong chemicals on it. So, you know, oh, sure, I was because, using neem uh, oil. Yeah, you were you trying know, the, to keep the, the, it. The natural stuff, holistic. It, yeah, you're trying to keep it down. Well, actually, what I described that or liken that to is trying to do farming before 1980. Because <laughs> prior to 1980 now, Robert, at least for fruits and vegetables, there wasn't a lot of good uh, fungicides because mm-hmm. back in the day, the main fungicides, for example, were like copper or dormant oil. Yeah, those mm-hmm. were the main fungi- or And then, of course, you had like micronized sulfur or sulfur dust. That was about it as far as fungicides go. So, I, and that's I, all I, I used. Yeah. And, and that's kind of like what you got. So, yeah, I can see. But then at the same time, though, back in Germany, you probably had the opposite problem where it was cooler. So those warm season vegetables and crops, they weren't growing as fast or as much. Not nah, cool. Exactly. Yeah, they peaked. I'd say peak growth. What was most frustrating, right? was that I couldn't have a whole salad at once. 
And what mm. I mean by that is like I've had my cool season crops because a lot of people don't realize you go to the store, you buy a lettuce. You, you I mean, you buy a bowl of salad, right? And you have mm-hmm. a cross of two different crops there. You got your lettuce mm-hmm. or your spinach. Those are cool season crops. And then you got mm-hmm. uh, onions, which is like a late cool season, mid warm season crop. Right. And All then right. you got your, let's say, onions. Your, I mean, you tomatoes. already said onions. Um, your tomatoes, cucumbers. Those are full blown warm season crops. Mm-hmm. And you throw another one in there. Um, beets. That's a rooted cool season crop. So to get your modern day salad, the timing and the prepping and the storing it properly to have a full backyard salad, it's it's a little bit of, you know, balance there, man. So um, it was fun getting that right here in Germany for the first time. Like yeah. I, I didn't have any yeah. issues in the garden other than one late frost, but everything pretty much recovered. Trusting my calendar, the experience that I had in the garden already for the past couple years and garden came gardening came very second nature to me it was Mm. really easy for me to just like it clicked i got a heck of a green thumb when it comes to growing my own food as well and it's not that and i think it's worth saying hey i'm not opposed to using those fungicides other than the copper all the natural stuff but Mm -hmm. my perspective on it was like i'm just feeding me and my family Right. So I don't I don't need to make sure I get every tomato to feed the neighborhood or feed the whole country. I understand the importance of having those tools these days. But for me, a backyard gardener, like I don't need to use these sprays. I, I kind of get what I get. And, 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 and what I found is I, we can't eat all the food anyway. Like if I plant enough <laughs> plants, a good amount of it ends up going to the compost pile because I can't keep up with it once they start pumping out all that fruit. So yeah, um, <laughs> I know your mind's going all types of places, right? <laughs> but but uh, yeah, it was it was it was a beautiful thing over here in Germany to because the tomatoes they eventually came on, the cucumbers they eventually came on, and um, I learned a little from last year to make it a little better this year, and that's why I mean I'm already I got two three flats full of just like stuff ready to go, and I got my timing down. And uh, I'll be eating good this this year. One's already about to go on the ground. I was showing Cam and uh, Polo the other day, the We Working team. I was showing them like, hey, man, I got my peas. They're coming up. I got my second round of uh, cool season crops coming up. And now I already got my tomatoes and peppers going. And they'll go outside in probably a couple months. But they get a good two months indoors. That way, by the time they get outside and it starts warming up, I have that 80 degrees, 90 degrees of growing degree days, you know, to make sure that I start getting my harvest at this time and I can put together a genuine backyard salad the way that I want to. So you got to get into it, Ryan, man. This is what I tell anyone who who's interested in starting a garden, go look in your fridge, right? And yeah. look at the guarantees that you always buy from the grocery store. And mm-hmm. then, you know, don't start off with crazy stuff that you're not even really eating at home. Cause, you know, I, I went down that road and I'm just like, I don't even know why I grew this because I'm not eating this. But so start with some things that are familiar. Like if you do zucchini, squash, this, the, you know, advice I gave Cam and he did it and he has like his 10 things that he grows and he's happy with it because he's going to eat it. It's not going to go to waste. And it's just so much rewarding and convenient when you can just go to your backyard. Like I had 80 onions last year. And when I harvested them around June, 
right? I harvest them in June. I was eating onions up until Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And I never had to bring them inside. I just put them on this little wire rack that was out of the sun. It got some good airflow through there and they cured outside. And they just got better and better and better and better until it was all done. So. Yeah, yeah. I'm a, uh, I'm a huge bell pepper fan. I probably eat shit. At least a half dozen or more bell peppers in a week. Sometimes cooked, sometimes raw, sometimes grilled. Like anyway, so maybe I'll work on the bell pepper. Right. Thing this yeah. Year yeah man get you a few grow bags and um you know more, less is more believe it or not those plants they're mm-hmm. gonna you know that one seed is gonna produce like a mug and um just you know just give it a try they don't they don't require a lot either you know once you once you get them established they just they're no fuss they don't need a lot of fertilizer have you some mm-hmm. good mix of compost in there in the beginning and uh the most important stage is in the first, just like grass, those first two to six weeks are the most important. Once they're established, unless the oh, weather kind of gets you, they're good to go, bro. <laughs> the weather's usually pretty good for growing peppers here, man. So I, I don't know. I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to give it a shot. Let's see. <laughs> so here's my question is, all right, uh, you know, a little forecast, a little, 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 you know, dream in here for a second, but you know, uh, the, the the kids plural now right kids uh, yeah when yeah, I know it's weird isn't it yeah so <laughs> what what do you think is the way at least to, to get them the uh, the itch to to either step into the garden or step into lawn care and I say this and I'm asking this question because you know in in our industry right I'm asking this from a professional point of view. In our industry, there's a lot of uh, lack of awareness, right, from parents about, you know, hey, this could be a job or this could just be a really cool hobby, right? It's something that's outside, something using your hands. You could take pride in your work. You can learn a little bit about science. Like, you know, there's a lot of different aspects of it that sort of lend itself to being uh, beneficial in life, right? Not only, you know, growing your own food or, you know, taking pride in your property, all that kind of stuff. But my question is, you know, two things, I guess. Number one is, you know, how have you thought about how you intend to kind of introduce this to your kids and, and when and, and all that kind of stuff? And then a larger question, because you're a thoughtful guy, Robert, you're a man of the world. Uh, and how would you approach young people about this as a potential career choice? Right. It's always good to have an outsider's perspective, especially somebody as smart and astute as you, sir. So, oh, I see what you did there. Um, I'm looking for a picture, right? And when I find that picture, I will look back at the screen. Um, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna finish this statement with a question to you guys because it's been something I've been asking myself internally for a while, right? And I just, I'm curious to see where you stand with it and the chat. I want y'all to chime into this question I have. But look, let me tell you something with my with my son. Mm-hmm. I've had him outside. I'm going to look to the camera right now. I'll find this picture later and I'll share it with you guys. I've had him outside with me since I've put the Hudson on the ground. I put him in my little carrier. And if you follow me on Instagram, if you look closely, we'll have like Daddy Sunday out there. And he absolutely loved it. And through the entire past year, I was like, man, I can't wait until he starts walking. Because he can be out here with me. He already has his little mower. 
the Hudson was perfect as a baby because I could just take him, go outside, put him in a little carrier and start mowing. And he loved it. Hudson doesn't have a, mo- uh, a, a motor on it. So all he heard was, and he's just looking at it the whole time. I go out there and take him when I'm harvesting. So I said all that to say, like, I'm already doing it. I think if you yeah. want to get your kids into it, start early and make it something that's familiar, not anything that you're necessarily forcing on them, but then you just have them out there with you. There's a, um, there's a story in the Bible where uh, this gardener, this farmer, he's outside and he has his son out there with him and they're, uh, he's working the land, but he, he's like, he's having his son do it. And someone's looking like, um, maybe it's not in the Bible. Maybe it's just a, a thing that people say, but he's working the land and it, his son is doing it. And they're like, why are you doing that with your son? You should just do it yourself. It'd be much easier. And he's like, no, what I'm doing here is, um, you know, I'm tending to my, I'm raising my child. I'm not necessarily tending to the garden. I'm raising my child. That was the whole overview of the story. So I see that the same way. I, even though I could get it done a lot faster just by myself, I could get it a lot faster by leaving, you know, the little man in the house, Prince Turf in the house and just letting him play and not giving my wife a break. But the beauty about bringing him outside is my wife got a break. We get to do that daddy son bonding time. And he mm-hmm. thoroughly enjoyed it. And, you know, uh, and I think he misses being outside with me too. So uh, I think if you're trying to get your kids into it, depending on their age, is just start introducing it to them and have the patience too. Because at some point you're going to be like, man, I can get this done quicker if you just go inside, you know, just go inside and let me get this done. But if you start carving out the time, like, okay, on Saturday morning, it's going to take four hours, but that's four hours that my spouse gets to get a break and I get to spend this time with my my child. And yeah, they might mess something up. Like I'm completely prepared for him to destroy a plant or two. I'm ready for that. Um, <laughs> just he's over in the garden messing with stuff, pulling stuff when it's not supposed to be pulled, pull a whole plant out the garden. I know it's coming. But it's those moments of him being out there with me that I look forward to the most. Um, and then the question I have for you guys, I think I answered your question, but my question is, yeah. um, at what point does it, because I, I see there's a lot of YouTubers, right? It wasn't as many as it was when I got started four or five years ago, but now we have a lot of lawn care YouTubers, a lot of garden YouTubers too. It just blew up after COVID. At what point does it stop becoming a hobby? Does it ever stop becoming a hobby? Because I see a lot of people saying, oh, this is just a hobby, so I don't want to take it too serious. And for me, that's weird because whenever I'm really, truly passionate about something, I lean all the way in, like look at, you know, professional athletes. It was a hobby for them that they thoroughly loved and they, and and they were passionate about it and they were so good at it. Now they're getting paid to do it. So, and then they say, Oh, you never work another day in your life when you're doing something you love. So just because you're getting paid for your hobby or you're super passionate about it and you've taken the extra step to sharpen, sharpen your craft, does it stop becoming a hobby at that point? Like, where's the self-accountability to make sure that you keep on going forward and learning more? And is it really a true hobby if, you, if you're if you doing bare minimal or you're cutting corners and you're not really putting the effort into the planning and the research, the, all the little intricacies that goes into something that you're so-called so passionate about? I think I think when I hear that, when I hear people make excuses for not being aware of the 
things that you need to be doing. It wasn't even really a hobby. It was just something that you were doing to keep yourself busy. Because to me, once it becomes a hobby, you have a level of interest and care about it. Um, and, and you go to learn at least the fundamentals, right? So like with basketball, basketball has a certain level of fundamentals that you can't play best basketball on a basketball team, even if it's just JV sports. If you don't understand the fundamentals, the coach isn't going to put you in. Now you're just sitting there and you're doing something to kill your time. But if you don't respect and understand the fundamentals of that sport, you can't play. So I don't see how it doesn't apply to both gardening and lawn care or anything else out there. Where's that? Where's that? Where do we have that split? (laughs) You know, because I think if you're really passionate about it, and this is your true hobby, why wouldn't you want to know the fundamentals and at least have that on lock? Because I see a lot of people, and this is not to throw shade at anyone, but I see a lot of people claiming that this is a hobby, but they don't even have a good solid foundation of the fundamentals. And even worse, they push that that's okay. So that's, that's okay. And here's where I would probably see that it becomes something else is that when monetary considerations cause you to give up integrity and your principles. Okay? Because at the end of the day, for me, everything I do is about is this the right thing? I mean, I have little actual cares about the money. The money is secondary, but is this the right thing? And if my answer or the conclusion that I come to that question is no, then I will say firmly, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing it. That's it. (laughs) No. (laughs) So, I mean, but what's your take on... Is it a hobby if you don't know the fundamentals? What is it? Is it still classified it, as a hobby? It is, it is still classified. Hobbyist versus enthusiast or a pro. Okay. Okay. Well, the hobby, the hobbyists, the hobbyists, they may not, they may not know. Are they learning? Are they actively learning? They could be. They could be actively learning. And as long as, and you know, you just said something very important. They have to be learning. They got to be learning because you see the learning and growing and developing all the time. That is a key part to maintaining integrity. I, I think that yeah, is so the for- most important. That is the most important part because if you know something, if you are constantly improving your knowledge and taking in you know, new information, then it never fails that you develop and 
you have the capability, for example, to say, do not do this anymore, even though this is convention, even though this is always done, because it just plain don't work, don't do it. You know, you have that ability. And that, to me, is integrity that transcends above money, fame, fortune, etc. Yeah, I find myself asking myself this because I'm like, well, shoot, am I a hobby? If, if I'm not a hobbyist by this definition, I don't consider myself a pro because currently I'm not licensed and getting paid for it. So then what the heck am I? Is there another category for a person like me? Because I thought I was a hobbyist. And, you know, I thought a hobbyist is someone who's passionate about what they're doing and they find immense joy in it and they want to share it with others. Mm-hmm. But then I got a, a slew of individuals that both in lawn and garden that don't really care about the fundamentals of things. And they're just out there kind of winging it, which is fine. But then they validate that by saying, well, this is just a hobby. Well, then what the heck am I? Okay. Well, <laughs> where, do, where, where do I fall? <laughs> actually, you got me questioning my good, own reality right now. <laughs> oh, a good description for you would be the, into, the enthusiast. You know, enthusiast. You are, yeah, I saw someone yeah, say you, that. Okay. Yeah. You are, the, you are the vegetable garden and lawn enthusiast. Uh, I have a very horrible name for people that uh, are on YouTube and whatever they're doing at the end of the day is driven by affiliate links and affiliations to a larger entity. I call them straight up whores. To be fair, it extends because it sounds like we're picking on YouTube right now. This extends beyond YouTube. There's just people I interact with on the daily as well. Right. So Mm -hmm. I just want to say, okay, so uh, uh, let me do. uh, I want to jump in here for a second and say that in that picture, by the way, that that Jay Pink had up. That was that was uh, either primo or 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 that was we're about to mow or we just got done mowing. And that's what we look like almost every week. All right. You know, all right. Yeah, I, I got him. I got him in the thing, and I got him facing forward because he wants to see. You know, when he I wants had to him see what you're doing towards yeah. me, yeah, he wants to yeah. see, and he's completely wired in. He's That's enthralled. Yeah, he, part. yeah, he's enthralled yeah. with what what's going on, and uh, I got I gotta say, Robert, you know what has me concerned about the future of. Uh, America and you know in general is <laughs> just one thing <laughs> yeah how few kids these days even see their parents working on their lawns or their gardens that that is a real concern to me because if the parents have the mowing and the landscaping crew that comes there every week for 15 minutes and everything is done just like that, and they have oh. 
The parents have no involvement with it. The kids have no involvement with it. Then, for one thing, these kids then see that as something that has less value. And I'm also going to like have another hot take on this. They then see the people doing that work as their servants or their slaves. Mm. And, mm. you know, I've already had so conversations. Much separation. Yeah, there's, there's so, so much, much separation. separation that, yeah, yeah, it's not because, man, I, Yeah, because, I, mm. because I've had to deal with some pretty entitled people where I've had to look at them and tell them, you know what? Uh, if you're looking for a servant, I ain't it. Well, that expands past just that. It's the values too, right? Because I think that's where Ryan's going to go with. Like, I think that you can raise a child who's well-balanced and they don't have to do lawn and garden chores. Like, I think how they treat people on a day-to-day basis and how out of touch. I I find that most times, you, you know what really lets me know what kind of person I'm dealing with when I give them food from my garden and they look at it like, oh, well, I got to clean this. Yeah, bro. This is is where your food Mm -hmm. comes from. This is what it looks like type thing. You're so far removed from where the Mm -hmm. chicken and the egg come from and how that meat gets on your plate that you're out of Mm -hmm. touch with reality, Um, which I think that's Mm kind of where you're getting that. Ryan, my bad. You're fine. Okay. There's a lot to unpack here. I don't don't particularly care for labels, right? Like pro, Mm -hmm. amateur, or anything like that. I think that there is a wide continuum with which people exist in any profession. And I would say this is that there are professionals that give zero to no fucks about learning anything new or getting any better. And absolutely, you know, there, there's no difference, you know, when it comes to people that don't get paid to do this. So I think the, the separation though, and, and okay, so Robert, I'll just, you know, on this part of it, I'll turn it around. I mean, how many EOD techs have you met in your professional career? Uh, Rough number. Maybe 120. This is post graduation. How many do you truly trust? Mm. All right, good. 10, 15. All right. (laughs) Well, there you go. But that's, but that, but dude, that's seriously, that's That's any walk of life, right? It's any walk of life. You figure out and you have to figure out who's full of shit. And what level people care about. And and I believe, I'm one that, I, I truly believe this, that there's always something you can learn from a person. Even if it's clarity yeah. about them and what their motives are, what they're all about, and the level that they wish to ascend to, it might not even be about the subject that you're most interested in, but you can learn something <laughs> from anybody if you really try. So, <laughs> you know, when it comes to, um, you know, those labels and everything like that, I don't get too caught up in it. I try to find people that I trust. And I think with the integrity piece of what you just said, you know, the people that I think that I associate best with are people that push themselves to do the best that they can with what they have, right? Not everybody has a massive budget for their lawn. Not everybody has a massive, uh, you know, um, vast way of equipment. And I'm talking professionally or, or anything, right? Time, right? All those things, right? And, are they doing the best with everything that they have? That's what I look at to try and judge a situation. And I've, I've learned that in the professional sense of working at all sorts of different levels of facility. And I started off when I was, you know, not to make this all about me, but I started off working at a small family run 18 hole golf course that most people would call a goat ranch. 
I learned an absolute fuck ton of shit there, right? But that's not the way that I manage turf, you know, 10 years later when I'm on a private country club, you know, doing it. Completely different, right? But I learned and I ascended yeah. and I grew. And a lot of the basics that I learned, like I learned how to calibrate a spreader at this, what people would call a shithole golf course, right? And mm -hmm. I calibrated a spreader the same exact way that I did when I went to the private country club where my budget was, you know, almost 10x, right? Still course, calibrated right. the same way. Now, did I manage greens the same way? Did I do the same things that, you know, we did maintenance-wise with the same intensity or the same equipment or the same, you know, amount of money to work with and time and people? No, it's totally different, right? So right. I think with anything, it just becomes, you know, integrity, right, is doing the right thing when nobody's watching, right? And sometimes that's doing and other times that's learning, right? Like what you did with your project of learning, 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 learning. And this is, I've talked about this on the show before, but the idea... I call it dormant badassness. I can't remember an interview I heard this with a musician one time, but you know his his point was that you practice in a room for hours and hours and hours, days, weeks, months on end, right? And then at some point you're in an arena or in a recording studio or something like that, and you just have to play that one take that fucking kills it and goes on an album, becomes a famous you know concert or whatever, right? And it's the same thing with this: is like you practice, you learn, you compress it. And with the reps that you get and, uh, un, you know, unfortunately or fortunately, however you want to look at it, you know, people that are homeowners that have only one lawn to take care of get a very limited amount of reps, right? Versus mm -hmm. somebody like Ray or I who get a lot of reps, right? A lot more chances to screw stuff up, but a lot more chances to learn and be successful. And that's just the way that that is, right? So it's, it's all about those reps and, those rep and, and what you do with them, right? And making the best that you can of your situation and what you have to work with. So you know, I get what you're saying about the charlatans and the folks that come on here and try to sell stuff, the folks that come on and say, I don't care or whatever the case might be. You know, I just look at that as any walk of life. Do you believe what this person's saying or is it worth your time to listen to them and are they trustworthy? Right. And there's a certain point where you tap out, like you could learn, some, learn something from somebody you don't trust, but then tap out when it starts to go in a direction where like, yeah, you know what? That's okay. Okay. The bullshit meter has spiked. I'm 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 tapping out. We've redlined yeah. on the bullshit meter and we're gonna blow the engine. So I gotta pull over and stop. I'm sorry, man. You have to get out of the car. So uh I think that part I think the part about what Ray said about, you know, people maintaining their lawn, like I do see a degree of that. And again, to to just speak from my own experiences, right, is um you know, I was fortunate when I was uh very young, when I was probably eight or nine years old, you know, I, I picked up and wanted to, to do like mow the lawn. I just, I, I don't know why, like, that's what I wanted to do. And, um, my dad encouraged it. Didn't, it didn't, but didn't like, uh, go out of his way to make me do it. Right. He wanted me to want to do it. And I didn't, I didn't realize this until much later in life about, you know, how I, I kind of came in to do this and started mowing lawns and then started working at the golf course. And it's just kind of, snowballed into this you know uh career or whatever but the point being is that um you know i think having a parent that empowers you to do things like that and whether it's the lawn care or the you know gardening i don't care what the hell it is like i think that's the most important point is that you don't make somebody do it and you make time and, and help them learn help them get better right at what they want to do and encourage that right that was those are the two things that i remember most is that you know he said listen if you're going to do this 
you're going to own it, right? This is going to be yours and you're going to, you know, you, you have to want to do this because I'm going to back away and let you do this. Right. And I think that was important. And I also think, you know, as far as learning, um, encouraging me to do that on the flip side, if you do have people taking care of your lawn, like let's say the, the situation that Ray's in, I think that's, you're right. There are entitled people. There are shitheads and, and, and people like that, that would look at, look down upon you know people in our industry ray uh with them coming in to uh be you know be the people that take care of lawn i think though this is my personal view of, of as parents is that it's an opportunity to say to your children listen there are things that mom and dad aren't good at and it's okay to ask for help and things that we value our time to spend with you or to do these things i think if you're a piece of shit you're never going to say that believe that and your kids well they're going to turn out how they turn out but I think it's an opportunity to say to them, listen, there are people that are very good at what they do, very passionate about what we do, and we're lucky that they're here and want to take care of our stuff for us, right? And help us with our Brian, stuff. Yes. I got to tell you that you just said something key and critical. And that is where I'm going to say it. You have the enlightened you know developed western world mentality where i frequently encounter the third world mentality yeah and it and it's unfortunate it's real unfortunate is uh, i encounter a lot of this very third world you know horrible mentality and it's uh it's where Robert, I got to tell you, the fact that you involve your son and then you're soon going to involve your daughter in what you do, I think that that's a wonderful thing. I mean, that's just a wonderful thing because I got to tell you that for me, the way I got into grass was an entirely different thing or a situation where my father hated lawns. <laughs> Kid you not. And, and, isn't that My weird, though? Like, it, 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 isn't however, that weird, though? Of like, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. However, Ryan, here's what, here's what the deal was. Is my old man hated, hated lawns. However, you know, for whatever reason, uh, because I had a farmer grandfather and growing things and doing things like this came second nature to me. You know, the deal was, is my old man would buy or make any of the toys that uh, I needed to, uh, to do this and do this successfully. Because, for example... I still remember the setup, for example, that my father made where, you know how everybody goes gaga over that, uh, what is that, that Massport Rotorola mower or the Toro Pro Stripe, Brian? Yes. I had one. My father. You traitor. No, my father made up brackets such that the wheels came off of a normal mower and were replaced with rollers 
Okay. Mm-hmm. Hey. And then, and then my father, uh, he totally lost his bananas because soon thereafter, I had one of those. I think it was a either a Hudson or a Chapin. You know, it was an all stainless. Uh, Two or three gallon sprayer. I mean, they made them out of stainless steel and brass back in back in those days. But anyway, my father somehow attached a valve system such that I didn't have to pump that up by hand. That got pressurized by a hundred psi compressed airline. <laughs> so I'm picturing. I, I, I Ray, was, have you ever seen the movie with... The Goonies? <laughs> have you ever seen the movie The mm-hmm. Goonies? Mm-hmm. I have. I, I I'm not trying to be racist here or anything, but you so much remind me of Data. You know, Data. Yeah. Little, the, the, I I you... I will own it. I will own it. Okay. <laughs> I will own it. Hell yeah. I want to see you next year in Louisville in a total like Data regalia with the gray trench coat and the Keds <laughs> and the damn jeans. Like we we got to have it. It's important. Um. But 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 seriously though the. Yeah, I I literally got, I guess, encouraged and nurtured because, uh, like I said, my father didn't want to do it. But then between the two of us, it's like, okay, how do we, you know, make and buy the most badass toys for a lawn, and mind you, this was in the early 1980s, okay? This was in the early 1980s where all, all of this was going on, so... Yeah, but because the mind, mind flipper for me was, yeah, that... Uh, that sprayer with that valve system, because back then we didn't have any of these nice battery-powered, you know, backpack sprayers, no such thing. Uh, instead, he said, yeah, here, come, son. Watch this, you know, plug well, in the airline, flip the valve, and you're on. <laughs> well, uh, listen, to round out this segment, this is a video I, I saw, uh, I don't know, years ago when it came out. It was it was a post-game interview of a, of a football player who was retiring, a, a pretty accomplished one. And uh, this one's always stuck with me. And so I'm sharing this with, with Robert, you know, uh, having a new child. I think it's always important to that. There's people that will, here's what I'll say, Robert, to finish out the thought about the people with on YouTube and all this stuff is that, uh, I think no matter what you do, that you're passionate about, that you're truly passionate about, you should be, if you're, if you're truly passionate about it, you should inspire that in others, right? You should inspire that same amount of pride and zeal and everything like that in others. So I want to watch this video real quick with you. I hope it's a, it's a good message for you, Robert and your children and I, I know it is for mine. And then we'll go to our mailbag before we close out the show and get to the after show with an extra special guest tonight. All right, <laughs> let's roll this one real quick. During my, I think after my sophomore year, um, we had a career day at school. And my history teacher at the time was my defensive coordinator in high school. And a friend of mine's dad was there. He's an insurance salesman in my hometown. And he was trying to brag on me about how great I'd done as a sophomore and, you know, gotten some accolades, this and that. And my defensive coordinator 
um, said at the time, he goes, yeah, he's, he's a good player. He's, got, he's a talented kid. He goes, but, you know, if he worked as hard as he could all the time and he played as hard as he could all the time, he'd be special. And in a 20-second interaction at a doorway in Ruston High School, it changed the trajectory of my life. It changed my attitude. It changed my vision. It changed who I was. And I shared it with the team and the coaches last night, and I told them, I said, you, just, you never know what makes the difference. And I've shared that with those men, you know, and I can't wait to go home and, and tell them. You know, I've told them before, but really changed the mindset and the vision of a 16-year-old kid. And like I said, changed the trajectory of my life. So my message to you on both on both these accounts is this, is that you never know, he's right, you never know what makes a difference and that you should be inspiring. If this is what you really deeply care about, Robert, I don't care if you're an enthusiast, uh, a pro, you know, a turf porn star, whatever you want to call yourself, right? Uh, <laughs> you should have, you, your, your, um, I think that your personality is infectious. I love you a, a, as a friend. I think that, um, you know, just keep doing what you're doing. Focus on what you're doing. I find myself focusing on other people and what they're doing, you know, too much. And I have to check myself. And that's one thing that uh, this show, unbeknownst to me and going into it, has uh, made me think about and do. So, you know, thank you for that. You've inspired me to do that and, and get a little bit better here these next few months. Look at this. Speaking of turf porn stars, money shot time, <laughs> boys and girls. <laughs> Look at that. Yeah, that's right. Listen, we long can can, can we get a can we get a quick i want to get the 60 second review the no bs review of the hudson star likes dislikes and would you recommend it to your friends i would only recommend this to someone who is going to put themselves in the lawn enthusiast category at the at the least um the level of consistency that you have to, you have to stay on top of your mowing. You can't get uh, complacent with it. Um, I do have the rotary mower to reset the height of cut because after three quarters of an inch, it it's no longer enjoyable. It can cut. They got these bars that you can attach to it to raise it up to about an inch, but it's no longer enjoyable and you're not going to get the look that you're looking for. Um, as far as like easy maintenance and easy repairs, if you need to, I don't know. I, I wouldn't know. I haven't had the repair, but it's really, it's a simple piece of machine that's built very strong, um, designed by a small fun family out in, I think, uh, Illinois. It's cool because they actually make gun mounts to really good uh, group of guys over there. Uh, it's all family. It's a complete family business, but I love the machine, man. And I think for the price point, the sticker shock gets people because they don't really understand what they're buying. This is a professional piece of equipment. This isn't for a hobbyist, but um, you're going to get a better cut than a Hudson. I mean, than an Allet, than a uh, these mowers that are, are specifically designed for, you know, your DIY market. You're not going to get the same cut out of a Hudson versus a Allet or Swordman. You're just going to get a better cut from this machine, um, in my opinion. I'm glad that you guys pointed me towards this piece of equipment. And I, and I asked Jay Pink to throw that up there because Lawn Maverick was like, hey, can we get some more Hudson star footage? And you will get more this season, which is a perfect question that I have for you guys. I just want this real quick answer. This is all I need to finish putting together my plan. I still have some pretty cool cold snaps that's going to come here in April. Being that my lawn is dried out now, though, 
would it be in my best interest to go ahead and take the power rake to it to break up these worm castings and go ahead and mow the lawn, uh, mow it and just get it set for prepping for the sand capping, knowing that I'm going to have some cold days probably this April, mid-April. We'll probably get a couple few more cold snaps, but the temps are they're starting to stay above 30 now, somewhere in the mid 40s. Uh, we'll get up to 50 every once in a while. Then we'll have that fake spring kind of thing going on. Should I just wait until April and risk it getting moist again? Or should I, and not in the way that you want it moist, but, or should I go for it now and go ahead and start prepping the ground to bring in that sand and start sand capping it, uh, it again? Let me ask this question. Is there any active growth out there whatsoever right now? I think so. Um, but it's hard to tell because I'm looking at it every day. But it looks like <laughs> over the past <laughs> over the past week or two, it looks like when it's dried out, it looks like a little, not a lot, but it looks like a little bit has happened because I went into the winter uh, around an inch and now it's probably a good two inches, maybe two and a half inches in some spots. Um, so it's hard to say. I mean, I guess no, I could bring the mower up, trim the top, and then just see what happens um, before I, I take the power rig to it. I would actually, before aggressively power raking it, I would actually see what happens from mowing. And uh -huh. let me ask you this. You know, on the quote-unquote power rig, are there uh -huh. increments to the no. degree that this power rate digs no. in? I mean, I wish, increments? No, but no. no I, the only reason why I, I ask is because I'm familiar with the, the brushes and, and the groomers where, my goodness, I can set those guys to a height or, or, or depth of you know, action down to the one one thousandth of an inch. But, yeah, nah, we're not dealing with that, right? We got a little Tonka toy over here, and that was my biggest mm -hmm. gripe with this Tonka toy is that it didn't let me adjust the uh, adapt. It is it's one set and one and, setting, uh, so it, it gets probably it probably goes for good. I mean, on top of grass, it'll probably get me a good quarter inch on the soil surface um, at most. Ooh, ooh, that's uh, okay. I I'd be okay with that if. I knew yeah. that the grass was in a place where it would rapidly regrow, but then if you're still too cool for growth, uh -huh. what do you think, Ryan? <laughs> what do you think? I, I mean, can wait until April. Uh, it's not a big deal. Uh, hang on. I'm going to send you something here. This isn't a terrible one. I, when I look at the growing degree days, we're getting a little bit of growth. Not a lot, though. So more so, I was just... Seeing it as a moment of uh, opportunity and just to see if it, you know, I can go ahead and knock that off. But my concern is very much what you guys are leaning towards. Like, hey, uh, yeah, I, I'm thinking on, about through this the, stress. the fact that, uh, you know, again, you have trouble. Mm. Oh, mm. oh, this is just a massive. Uh, Brush, yeah, yeah, it's a massive brush. So, sign up for good things. Ooh, tell me more. Uh, you know, there's other ones like this that are, you know, aluminum frame. I'm not sure what this is. Uh, but 
uh this i know this is going to ship from the uk i'm almost positive uh based on this site i bought from here before but if she they they're the only ones that have a four footer heavy duty uh-huh. steel frames okay. so this is i would pull this as you're walking backwards right um so the idea here is that if you have dry weather and you drag this across that'll knock those worm castings down pretty well and you might not need to power rake and be so darn aggressive with it uh yeah i, like I that. think you're fine I think you're fine to mow, um, just to knock the dead off and, and kind of get started, right? Um, it, based on the weather forecast that I just looked up for you, you know, I don't know that you'll be mowing again next week based on the forecast, no. but I think it's just a prep, right? It's sort of, a, I would call it a cleanup mow, and that's totally mm-hmm. fine. So um, maybe look into something like this. I'll send you the link uh, so you yeah. can take a look at this, but there might be another one that's like an aluminum frame that's a little bit easier to move around and manipulate and everything like that, but uh, I think the weight would yeah, be stiffer. better for it, to be honest. Yeah, it's probably it probably would. Those, those, I mean, these are meant for tennis courts, like hard true and clay tennis courts, so having a little bit mm-hmm. more weight on this isn't going to be the worst thing. It's not like you have a huge area to go around, so I will send that link over to you, and thank you. we thank you, thank you. will go from there. So, uh, okay, here's the deal. We went over a little bit tonight. We've got to get out of here. We got a pretty prompt out. And the mailbag, we're going to switch things up on Sunday night, Ray. We're going to do the mailbag right. first. All right. Okay. So we're going to have the dessert. Then we're going to eat dinner. Uh, you know, who knows? Whatever happens before dessert, if we're doing everything backwards, is between two consenting adults. It's just the way it's going to be. Um, <laughs> True. True. <laughs> but. Speaking of two consenting adults, we're going to have two of the best consenting adults on our after show tonight. We've got Robert Palmer here, of course, and then Cam from last week from Elevated Landscapes is coming back for a uh, a reappearance uh, since uh, last week we ran over and didn't get time to do that. So it'll be a super califragilis XBL long docious uh, uh, <laughs> uh, after show. It's going to be it's going to be extra fun. We'll dive in deep and um, we'll see you all on the next one.